0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Aphrodite's Podcast, official podcast of digital and creative media works, where each week we take some from pop culture and try to break it down to better understand it. My name is David. Hi, I'm tired. <laughs> you can't do that every time it's a late episode. The joke's not, it's not funny. But it is late and I am tired. What's you, what's your name? It's Ben. It's Ben. Oh, hey. This is Ben. Hello. Uh, nice to meet you. How's it going? Um, are you yeah. asking me or are you just like... No, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, yeah. I really enjoy what we just watched. I'm kind of in a good yeah. mood. I, I, I had a lot of fun. I love these films. Um... Uh, this week we are just kind of talking about stuff that we like. Um, yeah. we we stop punishing ourselves for a while, and we're not doing things that have like this like super complex meaning that we have to unpack and gives us a migraine. We're just talking about fun stuff that we that we like that we like, and, and this- still overthinking it. But like, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's what we, we do. But the, yeah, it's what we do. But with you know the stuff we're covering doesn't need that, but gonna do it anyway. Um, this week, uh, actually, well. It came out today. I think it comes out tomorrow. Ever else got in the that world, so got that early. Got that freshness. Actually, this is going to be a fresh month because we had Endgame last yeah. month, and then we've we are going to be a month of exclusive, exclusive, looks, live, exclusive. Looks. I've noticed that everything we've covered this month has the has the word noir in its genre description, which is an interesting trend. Um, <laughs> this week, because this week we're talking about the genius of John Wick, Chapter Three Parabellum Parabellum Parabellum. Fuck! I had a good time. Yeah. We when we talked about John Wick 2 the overwhelming feeling that I have about these films is you watch it it's like watching a train wreck you watch it and you're like you don't like you can't
1: look away from what's all going like a, on it's like it's like a really good train it's wreck it's a
0: really cool looking train wreck
1: it's like a cool train wrecking in a cool way yeah
0: i, I, I and like it. no
1: one no, everyone dies.
0: Everyone dies. I love these films so it's much. It's just a clean
1: It's just, oh, everybody's dead. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: kind of it's kinda of interesting who doesn't die in this one, but um Right. Yeah. we will kinda I think we'll touch we'll probably touch on that because there's something there's something to the element of plot armor in this world that doesn't feel like plot armor. And then there's literal armor. Then there's literal armor <laughs> which doesn't save you from guns. Well it saves you from guns but That's not from jam Yeah.
1: It's a bit it's it's all a bit interesting.
0: Yeah, um, if you didn't, I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's a neo-noir action thriller, and it is the third one. I thought it was going to be the final chapter, but it seems Same, like- Same, but they're just, I guess
1: they realise they've got something that prints money.
0: It's a simple formula, and it seems to work.
1: Yeah, like, this is, I don't know, they, they're they doing, like, the born format, where it's just, like, it keeps going. And it's not like- They're just going to keep going until it's bad? Well, well, they haven't. they haven't run out of space- to move the stakes because like you know i felt like they ran out of space at the end of the first film mm-hmm. and then they kept going and then at the end of the second film you're like there's no like like yeah they're gonna do one more but like there's no way there's gonna be another one after mm-hmm. that because it's literally like he's excommunicado world. it's but a big deal and they but raise the stakes again yeah in this film they're like no we can just keep going it's fine it's kind of impressive that they can do
0: that with their world building um and if- make it like logical and, and make like it feel seem, like it makes sense yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's a curious one um let's before we get to the summary yeah
1: what did you think did you have a did you really enjoy oh yeah i really enjoyed it yeah it's just i uh, i mean i don't think it's as good as the first one is it just that the first one was so the fresh? first one was just so fresh yeah. and just like so new and this one did i mean we're probably going to talk about it but like the the actions just kind of different like they different flavor of action mm. um Whereas, yeah, the first two definitely had a very. Sp- the second one especially
0: had a very consistent flavor of action. Yeah. Whereas this one, I feel like they went the other direction. Yeah, um, they did more for, of a. For better or for worse, I guess, but we might pick that apart when we get to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously, I really had a good time. I, I don't know. I, just, I, I really love how dumb <laughs> and simple these, these films are. Yeah, they're so it. easy to follow. Oh, so easy to follow. I love it. <laughs> but I love the little tidbits of world building. Ah, oh, so good. Um. Okay. After the events of Chapter 2, John Wick is excommunicado, pursued through New York by every single living assassin. Wick returns to the Belarus where he grew up, calls in his ticket, and journeys to Casablanca to meet up with Sophia, a fellow assassin who owes John a marker. Meanwhile, the Adjudicator, a member of the High Council, threatens the Bowery King and Winston, requesting they both step down uh, for their hand in helping John Wick. She also visits the Belarus and takes a pound of flesh. With Sophia's assistance, John seeks advice from the Elder, the man who sits above the High Table. John ventures into the desert and wakes in the Elder's presence. John promises to kill Winston in return for his reinstatement to the High Table, and to remove his status as excommunicado. The Adjudicator slices the Bowery King to ribbons, having him pay for each bullet he gave John with a cut. Seven bullets, seven cuts. Back in New York, John fights his way to Winston. Winston and John agree that they have no interest in returning to the High Table, and decide instead to go to war. The Continental is deconsecrated. With the concierge's help, John fights off the High Table's forces, killing literally everyone. <laughs> Finally, the Adjudicator agrees to parlay, realizing she's been beaten, and reinstates Winston and the Continental. Winston then immediately shoots John off the roof of the Continental. John survives, of course, and wakes up in the presence of the Bowery King, and seemingly together they might take on even the high table credits
1: yeah that's not a lot that happens
0: in this I film know, and i love it i love how simple it is i just <laughs> there's so much about this that i just can't get enough of um the, <sighs> there's an elegance in how simple these the plots of these are but there's a there's a balancing point with that so because the story is so simple they can get away with so much world building right. and seeming like what in another story would be like exposition or whatever but cuz they inform such simple actions it never feels like they're overloading you
1: yeah there's and even when a when a character is just kind of blatantly like dumping exposition like in the uh when they're in when they're in Casablanca and they're mm-hmm. talking to some guy he's just starts sort of like going on about the world mm-hmm. and it's like yeah in one hand it's like oh, he's just dumping exposition but it it kind of just fits the way that everyone like talks in this it's world. very theatrical like yeah. it has that
0: style to it there's something of like the the greek theater to the whole thing where yeah I mean, even- We talked about it last time, but the the fact that John Wick says so little is always so interesting, because you always expect him to, like, stop and say some cool one-liner, and he just right. never does. And it's <laughs> really interesting and satisfying when he does say something, and it's never as cool and quippy as
1: you'd like. <laughs> it's but- always- Yeah, because- I mean, Keanu Reeves comes back with just, like, the simultaneously worst and best performance, mm. where he- Like, every line he says- it sounds like he's in physical pain trying to say it. Uh, like he's really just trying to make his voice do things. It's not really meant to do, like since like you know like sure, he could kind of do that in like the first Matrix, but it's like it's he's kind like, of old now. He kind of like puts his he puts his whole head into it, where he's just like the words just kind of like vom out of his mouth.
0: <laughs> it's very it's very much a man who's not used to talking to other humans,
1: <laughs> and I wonder if that's like
0: a I wonder if that's Keanu Reeves as a person combined with the <laughs> with character the he's character- playing. <laughs> it is interesting he's been, like
1: like slapped in the throat one through one too many times he sounds like a pack a day smoker uh,
0: yeah i i guess there's i mean one of the one of my theories about that is that basically like the way that they want that character to be portrayed is now that his wife has died like he's kind of lost all reason to actually bother interacting with people <laughs> so he's just a bit so he's just a kind bit of weird yeah he's just like a bit of a weird guy yeah you know um we, we talked about it in, in our previous um, episode about John Wick too, but well, I love that everyone here is very fancy and everyone has like a very specific style based on like the, the kind of faction they belong to. Yeah, everyone's like a...
1: Yeah, like the, you know, the, the continental in New York City is very much just like this ritzy high-end mm. There's booze hotel. everywhere for some reason. Yeah, and like the, the concierge is this character who's just such a... <sighs> He's such a uh what's like he's such a fucking who's Batman's butler? Um Alfred. Mr. Wayne. Mr. Um, Wayne. He's such like an Alfred character, but he kinda just Like he doesn't die. Which I like he he does he does things, he shoots some boys, but like in this world the most important fact is that he doesn't die. <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's a defining character trait in this in this universe, is is not dying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cause fucking everyone else seems to die.
0: Yeah, well, th- there's there's a lot. Yeah, there's there's kind of some interesting elements to that where I think that death in this universe is
1: obviously tied to honor because of the way that the rules and things work. But... Yeah, we've talked. Yeah, we talked about this in, the- mm. in- when we talked about um, the second film where that that control of death is like a big part of these films. Whereas I think
0: control of life isn't, interestingly. yeah. Um, uh, One of the, I I think the quote that capitulates the whole series as an idea is that it's a Winston Churchill quote. And he says, it was from him when he was talking about the war. And he said, when you kill a man, it costs nothing to be polite. Right. And I think that for me perfectly sums up the kind of the, the pathos of the series and the pathos of like the high table in general. Is that idea of like, if you have to do something as awful as kill people for a living, at least do it with some dignity yeah um which isn't to say that i mean there are some i think the best you know maybe segueing a little bit into the fights because i think they relate to that kind of it's it's you have honor until it's time to kill people and then it's like okay now all bets are off right john wick kicks so many dudes in the balls
1: <laughs> there's a lot of just like a lot groin of mutilation it, it, which i think is, is in this film in general Yeah, which is
0: fitting because no other characters go for that Except John Wick and the Dogs, which I think there's an right. interesting
1: parallel drawn there, where it's like, oh, there's like yeah. the dogs in this. There's a lot of um, they they play a lot with like with trained dogs, where and like you, it's pretty like on the nose and kind of obvious. But there's a lot of scenes where, like, there's the overt scene where it's just like, where what? Oh, what's, a, what's her what's a character's name? Sophia. There? Sophia, where she like calls. She's just like sit, and the dog sit, and she mm-hmm. was like, "I was talking to you, John Wick." That's like, that sets up so many interactions later mm-hmm. in the film, where it's just like comparing people to animals. Yeah, when especially around this idea of like control, you know. So when we, like, yeah, John Wick does the same thing to what's his name? <laughs> you need to be more specific than that. Yeah, the, uh, the the knife man, who's a who's a bit of a fan. Uh, I actually main, I guess the main villain. I actually
0: don't know his name. Do we just I, not?
1: Get his name. But we just don't like learn his sushi name. Sushi man. Yeah, the sushi guy. Call him Sushi boy. um yeah, I'll see if he's got a character. <laughs> see if he has a character. Where, where he's in, where the, they're both in the Continental, and John Wick does the same thing to him, where it's just like, sit, stay, good mm-hmm. boy, and walks off, and then he sits, stays, good boys. The assassin's um,
0: name is just listed as zero, zero. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um. But even in the, you know, the, the motto of the the high table being the The rules and consequences is the only mm-hmm. thing that separates us from, from the, animals. the animals
0: which is interesting yeah it's an interesting parallel isn't it where it's like all the people that john Wick seems to have an affinity for are the people that are bad at following the rules yeah. and they tend to respect animals there's something about that that's kind of interesting yeah
1: because you've also got the dowry king
0: dowry king Bowery king bowry Bowery <laughs> is a it. completely different thing dowry is the thing with the wedding
1: yeah Bowery king um him with the, yeah like him with the pigeons mm-hmm. um i don't know it's just uh yeah i didn't even think about the pigeons there's a there's a lot going on there with like
0: that idea of and you know it's it's kind of again if we're talking about greek theater which i think this has a lot in common with there's there's a, there's an assumption and it came from greek theater and bled through to like shakespeare's work as well with this this um relationship between like earthiness and animals and like goodness um right. you see that in macbeth where you know the witches kind of live on the heath and everything is like dead and you know where, where you know where they kind of boil their cauldron and they give out their fortunes. It's sort of this this desecrated landscape. Um, and then the hero of the story, Macduff, is sort of, he comes from, you know, the kingdom where there's lots of forest in Scotland and, and he's sort of one with nature, whereas uh, Macbeth, who ends up becoming the villain, is always in the, these castles surrounded by stone. And Greek theatre was kind of obsessed with that a little bit. And I wonder if it's an easy analogue for us, right? Because we, we associate people who are kind of one with nature and the earth as being like generally good and then people who kind of, are industrial or sort of um, divorced from that, we kind of have, like, an automatic negative connotation with that.
1: Yeah, I think most of that comes from just media. Mm. Like, there's always been, you know, the villain is always, like, the big industrialized Mm. machine. And, you know, you've got, you know, stuff like Pocahontas and, I don't know, like, every just, like, I don't know,
0: Avatar. Or, like, Tarzan. It's always always the the settlers of the colonial people. And I guess this is kind of the same thing where it's like, it's the, it's the like, the man, you know, the high table, the man is, like, the villain in this, really. Right. Um, as much as Zero is and as much as the Adjudicator is, it's, like, the
1: rules are the problem. But well, I think the Adjudicator is an interesting character in this because she's, you know, you spend... So then when she comes in and she sort of does some things, you're just like, oh, she's the main villain. Like, John Wick's gonna, like, fuck her up in the end. But, like, as the film goes on, was like moro is just like yeah she probably isn't gonna die she's probably just gonna walk out Mm. and even you know even when they sort of officially declare war on the on the high table when she's there and she walks off it's just like that's like the point it's just like they could could shoot her the gun that they have in
0: another film they would just kill her
1: right like that
0: would be the declaration of war right it's it's so interesting to me that there's such a there's such a like they're so civilized about it yeah you know and and i wonder if Because I've been trying to pass, like, what they're trying to do with this franchise, right? Because I thought this was going to be the final chapter. But I think what they've realized is... And maybe I think what's going to happen, this is my theory, is what they're going to do is spin this off into, like, a series of related, in the same universe stories that aren't about John Wick. Because Keanu Reeves can't do this
1: forever. No. What I think is... And what I think that they're starting to build towards is that... You sort, you sort of had the first couple of films where like really the big drive behind why those films were so good was just like the action is just like so perfectly mm. choreographed and it's just like it's a yeah it's it's really fresh it's like a breath of fresh, fresh air from mm. like your born films and your, you know even like your james bonds and stuff like that mm. like it's just so flashy and fun um but in its simple way, yeah, you know, the first film was literally he's just like pissed off because some guy killed his dog. So it's like it's just so tongue in cheek. Yeah. The second film, they sort of started to be more like oh, there's this high society, and you know, you had mm-hmm. more of the continental stuff. And then when he's like excommunicado, you're like, that's a big deal now, <laughs> right? Um, and in this film, they've sort of, you know, when I, when we were when I was in the cinema and it was like. Like, the first 20 minutes is just him, like, running away and beating people up. I was like... In my mind, I was like, yeah, but where's the story? Like, where... Like, I was like, surely this film can't just be... Like, it was like, this film could easily just be fight scenes for two hours. Well, I I was expecting the whole thing to be one chase scene. Yeah. and But it it definitely kind of comes back a bit to more of, like, the John Wick 2 kind of stuff, where it's like, you know, we're actually going to develop this world a little bit. Mm. We're actually going to, you know, create... A bit of intrigue with sort of you know the character relations which i but do you th- i does- think that they're moving towards that more sort of like character drama and like real you know where you sort of have this web of like who's with who and like who's doing what and whatever each person mm. is trying to achieve especially now with sort of the what seems like a quote-unquote betrayal mm. by um winston, winston. Where it's just like, oh he's like he's like he's gotta play, he's doing that noir. Thing. And you're like, well where's
0: where where's it gonna leave them? Yeah. And I wondered too if when you 'cause one of and the I think, and I think because of the like the action is becoming secondary. Secondary to, well but and but I think that only works because the action is still as good. Oh yeah. I mean different, which we'll get to in a minute. But I think it, there's an interesting point there that you made, which which is that this film does something that's really cool in writing, which is um, you can have these characters. So, when we talk when we talk about fantasy a lot and world building, we talk a lot about having worlds that feel lived in. So, hi- characters have histories and secrets and things that aren't just like they're not part of the story; they just exist independently of what's going on. Right. Um, and and these films do a brilliant job of that, where when you understand how markers work and you understand how the coins work that once when, when you know like in, in the second film when john wick like goes to get a new suit from this like you know storage place that we've never seen before that, that there's no exposition that tells you that oh he, he he gives over this thing and then they get his package and he gets a suit it's all just unspoken yeah. communication um and with the library it's unclear whether or not that's part of the assassin network or if he just he stashed just that book it in that book. Yeah. Cause it's not a real fairy tale, presumably, or it's so obscure that no one yeah, would look, no for it. look for it. Yeah. Um, and it's unclear if like, that's part of that world or not. But I think that's what really works about the world building they do is that it feels just obscure enough and just obtuse enough that you're interested in the outcome of the information you learn, not just the information. And right. I think that's a really hard thing to do with exposition because you you can imagine in a much worse film or like a much less focused film that same scene happens but he'll he he goes to like um instead of going to the library to grab his belongings or whatever um, he would go to, like, some... It'd be, like, s- similar to Brick. He'd go to, like, some expert fella who'd be like, oh, this is the info and in the kit you need. Or right. And then he'd owe someone and it would be too complicated he'd, he'd because to his, he'd be like... His cue. And he'd be yeah. like, well, who's this guy now? <laughs> and, because, like, it's so focused in that way where it's like they know when they need a character involved. Like, Sophia's a brilliant addition because she feels like an extension of John's beliefs but in a different setting. Right. Um, And they all... They, I think that relies on, A, yeah, clever exposition, but also, B... When you get exposition, it pays off in the actual story, too. So what I fucking... What I love about these films, and we talked about it in chapter two, but is they'll kind of mention something about John Wick, where, like, there's an implication that he's done something, like, killed someone in some cool way or, like, some impossible way. Like, in the second one, it was, like, I heard he killed two two men with a pencil or whatever. Yeah. And then later on in that same film, he, he kills. kills two dudes with a pencil. Yeah. And it's unclear if he did that before and that story's
1: true or if that... Someone saying that gave him the idea to do it. Or if it's just completely like disconnected but because john wick the myth and john wick the john wick are just so like yeah intertwined in weird ways it's just like someone is just like i heard he killed a guy with a pencil while he's currently killing a guy with a pencil
0: right they so they do that in this film where um uh when he's going to visit uh the belarus he they make him take off his belt like because he's got no weapons on him but they make him take they're like no 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 the belt as well Yeah, yeah yeah right and i was like oh that's weird like, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, ah, eh, that's an odd thing. Yeah, but I, was, then I was. Later on in the film, when he's fighting Zero, he seemingly, from that exchange, gets the idea to, or he's he was fighting Zero's goons, gets the idea to use his belt as a weapon. Yeah. Like, and it, you go, oh, so has he done that before? And they know that story, so they've taken it away or from him. Just or like... did it give him the idea? Yeah. And I love that, that that implicit reversal that doesn't have an answer. Like, it's never explained. John's never like, you know, done like, this you know, before yeah, yeah. Or like it'd be like an adjacent Bourne film or like he'd be like oh like you know like there'd be a moment where they'd show the character yeah. being like oh, i remember that conversation time to use my bell. Well,
1: even uh, in the Bourne films like there's like i think if, if we're sort of looking at action like action fights and how a lot of these films do it you know you've got your james bond which is just your that's just like your baseline your run and gun he's got some gadgets but like really it's just him being a suave Boy. Mm-hmm. You've got your like Mission Impossible, which is just like we're going ham like it's just rifles and shotguns and running around and Tom motorcycles is doing and all and his Tom stunts, doing his thing. <laughs> Breaking um, his ankles. But then you've got like the Bourne films, which is like it's messy, it's it's rough, it's like improvised. you know, like he'll kill a man with a like he'll kill a man with a pencil, but like it's not it's just because the pencil Cause was there. it's there. It'll... It's not because he's such a badass that he can kill a guy with a pencil it's It's no it's just like he's got no other options literally any he kills a guy with a
0: chair leg in the first film and it's one of the hardest things in cinema to watch like but it's
1: but with this it's 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 like not improvised and it's not sort of standard it's in that weird stylistic and again like with the with the first two films it's very you can you can see the style because it's using guns mm-hmm. and we voice we we know how gunfights go it's pew, pew pew get behind cover right. pew, pew, and they kind of like, change that up they were just like no nah, we're gonna do like a gun fight scene like it's like a marvel fisty cuff what scene.
0: what did they like it's like gung fu or something
1: oh gunkata Carter yeah, so yeah. Like, gunkata is this jokey term it came from some like really trashy film that was trying to rip off it had christian bale Um, That was trying to rip off The Matrix. It was, like, 2002. It was called, like... Duh, something. But where, like, Christian Bale's character is, like... They'll just be like, deploy him. And he'll, like, slide into a room with, like, all the lights off. And then he's just like... Pew, 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 pew. Like, that's what Gun Carter is. (laughs) Uh And this is, like, the evolution. Like, the the modernized Gun Carter. Mm -hmm. But in this film, there's not a lot of that. There ain't a lot of it. It's a lot of
0: knife fights. There's
1: a lot of knife fights. Look, my theory is that they had... (laughs) So in terms of like the way this film was made there's you can see it in the film there's like one group of about six to seven eight guys who are just all of the all of the bad guys in them like if like every guy on the motorcycle when they have the knives like at the start of the film where he's just being chased down by like generic asian guys Mm -hmm. um all of sushi man's zeros all of his students Mm -hmm. um even like when they're in casablanca even those guys, it's the same guys. They're just wearing head masks, mm-hmm. so you can't see them. But you can see the eyes, and the eyes give it away because mm-hmm. um, you can kind of figure it out. I'm not being racist, I swear. Um, there's, there was one guy who was just like, "That's the same guy from like an early scene." I was just like, "Oh, it's the same guy." Yeah, they had like the one, <laughs> but they clearly had this this crew of like stuntmen. Who are like insanely talented, yep. and they were like, I find every scene, every scene, <laughs> and I, I guess that works
0: well when you have someone like the main, like because Keanu Reeves does a lot of his own stuff in these. Oh yeah, he does all of his um, own stuff.
1: It's yeah, like except for there's like one scene where he's riding a motorcycle, where it's not him. It's clearly not him, but but like, he'll do he'll do his fight scenes. He just won't do fight scenes on a motorcycle. He's, <laughs> he's Tom Cruise in it for sure. He is a little bit.
0: There's yeah. definitely an element to that utilization of those same people that I think. It, it works really well because it means that by the end of the film you have a really clear idea of john wick's abilities when it comes to fighting those kinds of combatants so that when you have that fight with zero yeah you understand implicitly that john can't rely on uh he can't rely on his like blah blah he's like shooting and he can't rely on like his knife skills he has to actually use the baba yaga stuff to his advantage right. so he that's the, that, the reason he wins is that he goes oh like i can or outplay this him. guy well i can yeah. out wrestle him and i can out I can out John Wick him. Yeah. He's trying to do the disappearing thing. I invented that. And that's actually what gives him the upper hand in the end. Yeah, um, And I think when we're talking about like, oh, you know, it was the same gr- group of stunt people from an audience perspective it meant that when that fight happened i knew that he would need to do something different right which whereas in the other ones it definitely felt like when you get to the end fight it's like we just need to shoot someone (laughs) and the question at the end of the second one is will he do it in the continental
1: like Um, yeah because there's no traditional there's no like traditional gun fight scene in this film like the only like big set piece gun fights are the one with sophia sophia which is like mostly about her and the dogs that's great god that um,
0: that is honestly such a cool piece of action when she's oh, yeah, like because like those dogs those were dogs are mostly dope mostly practical there's one shot that i what well, when the dog jumps up
1: the wall no that's CG. no
0: that, that didn't do it for me there was one shot where i was like holy crap that's cool where she's it's a it's a wide angle shot and she's running and she she slides under a cart and the dogs go around it yeah. and then she comes up and they drop her and she goes bang bang yeah and i was like fuck that's cool yeah, those like dogs it's cool. so well executed um,
1: but like that, yeah, that f- that gun scene is like it's mostly her. And then you've got the other one with the people raiding the Continental, and it was it's a really interesting choice to make them like bulletproof, because mm. like in my brain, I was just like, this is just a video game. <laughs> like it did seem like a boss level, yeah, like like level where for it's the just, final like, boss. Suddenly, you know, it's it's just oh, it's just another fight scene, but all the enemies are bulletproof, and you have to like stagger them and then do like a like a like a staggered takedown move. Like it's yeah. literally. It was like, and like I don't mind. Like it, it was, it was definitely more interesting. It was like, oh, they're bulletproof. It was
0: more engaging, and it was also harder to watch because you were like,
1: oh, is he gonna? <laughs> like you're like, oh, like the whole time yeah, I was then, like, is he gonna? You know? Yeah, and then they whip out the shotguns, and it's oh, just fucking go- disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: it's, it's, there was a moment where, when the first shotgun went off, literally everyone in the cinema. Everyone's went, like,
1: oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Oh god, like this the the violence in this film is fucking horrendous oh, those, like those the first the knife fight the knife, n- the knife fight oh, at the very start when he where there's that keep, guy with knives they just keep throwing knives there's about 20 knives thrown in that one scene and one dude just cups about 10 of them it's <laughs> like, inter- it's, it's it's an interesting rendering of that too
0: because it's not like in an, any other f- like if it was just like a James Bond film or whatever it'd be like one knife if it one knife would kill like a you cool
1: it would be like loaded like shown on it yeah. and then and a funny thing is is that like there's a bunch of knives that get thrown by the bad guys that just completely don't work
0: yeah well like, same they with just john bounce off Where, and, it. and it's like because that's that's how knives
1: work it's if you just don't like, you because it's hard to gotta
0: it's like a it's it's Throwing basically knives is not
1: easy yeah <laughs> also like it's
0: not a guaranteed kill and yeah. uh, that's kind of cool same with like gunshots and stuff but that's kind of why i like that fight scene with the you know when they're we- wearing the bulletproof armor or whatever right um because seemingly what they realize is like there's no amount of technology that can save you from john wick <laughs> like the, like right you could blow up the building and he'd probably like they blow up his house in the second one and he's fine he's fine like there you can't he, he gets, you can't he kill like, him
1: his the shot of him falling off the building ah, oh. not as impactful as the time they did it in john wick uh, oh, when 2 he just, when he just falls and just lands immediately and i think in this think one that because it's a wide angle and they show him bouncing on things on the way down it's kind of like this is it feels a bit more like a movie yeah like you it's it's hard to explain because it's you know when you see someone it's like watching a like a jackie chan film Mm -hmm. well like when jackie chan jackie chan yeah jackie chan when he does his like crazy stunts where he'll like jump off buildings and like slide down rails and like break every bone in his body Mm -hmm. he'll sort of do it in steps he'll go like bit by bit by bit because that's Mm -hmm. how he fucking stayed alive Mm -hmm. while breaking every bone in his body um so, like, yes, yeah, he's not him- a healthy man these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, seeing him, like, you know, do that battle, so was just like, that looks like it hurts and he might be dead, but, like, he's clearly not, because he's just- John Wick. But, like, in the John Wick 2, it's just like, Dud! you're just like, what the fuck? I, I think that works because you see, it. The, one of the things
0: that these films do, that they capture well, is the, the slowness with which real pain exerts itself. Right. So, usually, sh- like, in that scene, for instance, he hits the ground, and then he like, and he's immediately moving, but he's he very very slowly rolls over. And yeah. there's something they do it a bit in this where like he when he has a really bad like little moment, he like he definitely reacts slowly to it. But that in particular, because you don't see his reaction, because they they're playing it for. Obviously it's fucking John Wick, it's the Bobby Yaga. he's gonna vanish. Right. But they play it for that effect because the of the whole thing was zero, the whole setup of this film is that he can vanish anywhere. Yeah. Um so it works brilliantly as a bit of exposition payoff, but because we don't see him react, it doesn't feel like it has that same impact. Because normally in another film, he you know, they'd fall and then there's a cutaway and then they, you know, they have to get up and fight immediately. But in this yeah. it's like When that kind of thing happens like you know when he when he falls through this when he knocks the guy the goons zeros goons through the glass floor and they all land yeah and he just lies there for a minute being like (laughs) fuck me and then he slowly gets up yeah that's kind of what i thought would have been cool it's just give us that breathing time to see how hurt he is right and that he still keeps going yeah um i don't know it it just it, it felt like there could have been some more room there but i also like the payoff with with the vanishing stuff which is something that we talked about in the second one that they didn't commit to. Because in the second one, when he tries to vanish, they do that cool train shot yeah. where um he's facing off against someone and the train passes by and he, like, vanishes. And then in between the frames... You, you can, can see, see him.
1: Yeah, in this one, they kind of... They, they they instead of pretending to do the thing and then just, like... Yeah, like, they didn't... They actually did the proper vanish. And did- to a certain degree, it's like...
0: Uh, I'm not a I, huge fan of it. It's...
1: I don't think... It, I think it nearly outstayed
0: its welcome. I think if they'd done it once or twice more... I think in a lot of the fight scenes,
1: there was just a weird amount of repetition. And yeah. not the kind of repetition that was natural or would sort of lead to like a conclusion, but the kind of repetition where they just seemed to be doing the same thing. Is that because it was the same stunt team, do you think? I think it might have been, but even when it wasn't the stunt team, so like in the with the gunfight with the dogs... It was a lot of, like, every character just got bit in the groin. Like, mm. it was always the same move of, like, dog grabs her, she, like, caps mm. them. It was like, dog
0: kick, like, if cap, felt- dog It felt far less improvised.
1: Yeah. I and, it's, and I don't know whether that's just down to... Whether we've seen two of them before? Like... Yeah. I don't know. It was... Yeah, I don't think the fight scenes were as good. Probably the best one was that first one with the throwing knives because that was like the conceit for this fight is that there are no guns they're just in a room filled with knives just
0: so many and it's just
1: like go like just go have fun like it's the all of the john wick films have that element of just like all right here's the setup here's what john wick is here's like here's what the bad guys are like all right go have fun which is why i think that the fight in the Continentals is really interesting because it's, like, interesting setup mm-hmm. with like, these bulletproof characters. You've got sort of the two stages where it's just, like, first they're, like, really on the back foot and then they well, just then you upgrade get, and it's just, like, yeah, a pure power You get trip. the BFG. Yeah. I, I wonder... Yeah, it's an interesting. But, thought. like, with the, you know, with the dog fight scene, it was, like, okay, it's just, like, pistol shooting that we've seen before. Um, even, like, they do, like, like, off molten metal and, like, it just doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when when that scene was starting up and they showed, like, the pouring of the metal, I was just like, dude, we're going to get some sick fights. Some boy's going to land in that some multimetal. Some boy's going to land in that. And it's, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, I... the dog just runs over it and then that's it. And it was like, yeah, it was and then it was just that. them shooting people who kind of had knives, kind of had pistols with yeah. pistols. It never and never really. Just like, f- yeah. I mean, the dogs were cool. Don't get me wrong. The, the dogs sure were, were cool. But they did, like, three things about 12 times. I think if that was half the
0: length, it would have been good. It just felt like it went on
1: yeah and i think that's like most of the fight scenes tended to kind of go on and a lot of them didn't really conclude well like the fight before he fights zero he has the fight against the two guys who are just punching and kicking and like hiding and reappearing and you're like okay cool but then there's like another fight with another two guys but these guys actually have character they actually developed a little bit where it's just like oh we think you're really cool so we're not, we're going to like, gonna, like why, help you up and stuff why wasn't just one why well, was it it should have been just those two And just spent the more time two guys with them yeah who are like we think you're really cool and at the payoff being i'm not going to kill you cuz like that's kind of cool you're like i like that cuz they're like kind of cool characters also, by the sh- end of it it
0: shows that like he's not like everyone else yeah yeah i think but then i wa- i wonder if cuz thinking about like that zero fight what i like about the setup of that room and what i really enjoyed is that it was, I, I enjoyed the combination of the samurai swords plus the, the bulletproof glass that they couldn't cut through. Well, that's... That made for some really cool shots where, yeah, and I think from a cinematography perspective in that fight scene, I thought that was the most dynamic element. And I was like, why wasn't that the whole thing?
1: But even like, you know, he, there's weird stuff where they, they sort of, they keep teasing these weird setups where like you know the knife like when he's fighting with the knives there's a lot of shots of like the knives really like scraping the shit out of the windows so it's like all right these knives are pretty sharp and then there's like that shot where the way it's shown is like there behind these panes of glass and they keep banging against the glass and it's like like john wick bangs into it and then zero bangs into it and then john bangs into it and you're like who's gonna fall through it and it's like when one of them does fall through it, it's like, it just doesn't really go anywhere. And you're like, oh, okay, what was the point of that setup then? Like, there's-
0: I felt like that was all these all ideas of the- where
1: it's just like, the knife does this to the glass. And you're like, cool. And then it's like, all right, moving on. Uh, We're going to bang against the glass. It's going to be rickety. You're like, oh, what's going to happen? It's mm. just like, they just kind of go through the glass. Like, there was- it's, Yeah, I felt like at some point, John
0: should have gone through a glass cabinet and that should
1: have been it. Like, I was
0: waiting for that moment where like- it, like yeah he can get knocked through any piece of glass but this glass is gonna be a problem for
1: him yeah and i was like i was almost predicting the end of the fight to be like uh zero getting thrown out the window mm-hmm. like through the glass like i was like it's gonna like there's so much glass going on here john wick's been thrown through so many fucking glass cabinets like glass is gonna play a major part in this final or fight maybe it's like, like no it's just like he's got weird gloves that can stop blades, I, and then he gets stabbed through the I chest. I just,
0: I was like, yeah, it, it did feel a bit and like. And I, I know that not everything in a fight scene has to be a Chekhov's gun, but when you spend that much time with you the glass, spend that much
1: time with the glass, at least have
0: Joe Wick stab him in the throat with glass or something. Right. Give, me, give me something. I, yeah. You know what I mean?
1: And I think with the first two films, because it was just guns and there was no one that was bulletproof, they were able to, the kind of setups that they had, like. I don't know, and th- this they they did the cool thing in this film where they were both underwater, and I was like, they better fucking do it. That was a cool shot, yeah. Because I was just, I was like, I was sitting there, I was just like, oh, they're underwater. They're probably going to do the thing with the fact that bullets don't go very far mm-hmm. underwater. And of course, the guy's like, poon his bullets are like, <laughs> Bew, <laughs> Bew, <laughs> Bew. and it's like that. That's what bullets look like when mm. they go through water. You know, there's like a Mythbusters episode or that mm. and bullets just, woof like they go nowhere. Um, if you get close enough, sure. Mm. But that was interesting. And then it's like. All right we're just gonna continue it's yeah. like he gets out of the bath and you're like there was a like there's a scene in john wick too where like they're in the bath for a good 10 minutes like duking it out uh. in the bath he's half naked it's like a big deal it's and it's really like good. that kind of thing where it's in this film they seem almost just and this is mainly with the fight scenes like mm-hmm. this it is it mainly with the fight scenes where they seem to just be like jumping between different things and there's no like main conceit with any of them like except for like the dog one, where they're dogs. Mm. I guess the knife one, where they're knives. And the bulletproof guys. Yeah, but even
0: like, I, I see what you're saying, even like tying them together, like in the previous ones, I felt like each film had its own conceit for how those action beats were going to play out. Which I don't hate that this one didn't, because it was more focused on like the character work, but it does feel like they're going to do this and have it work moving forward. It needs to be that each film, they pick a conceit and then keep like evolving that conceit.
1: Yeah. Um, like, I don't think this film had any standout fights like the first two. I just thought it would have
0: been... For me, it was probably that knife fight at the start and yeah. elements of the dog fight. Um, but I
1: think the knife fight at the start was just, like, more impactful mainly because it was just, like, it was just, like, welcome back, <laughs> this is John Wick. It went this pretty is, hard, though, yeah, even like, for a
0: John Wick fight. Uh, I don't know. It, it For does. me, it did. Like,
1: but it's it's, I think... All of the John Wick fights. If you go to them from, you know, we like the last film we watched was Endgame. Mm. You know, like going from Avengers Endgame yeah, to this, it? like it's it is a yeah, ramp. We watched
0: up. the nice the nice guys last week. Like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think just, it's just
1: like we forgot how violent these films so are,
0: <laughs> and I love it. Um, yeah. They they definitely are more interested in the thematic stuff and the characters now, and interested in developing the philosophy of this universe. Yeah, and- which I'm fine
1: with. Yeah, it's fine. Like, but- if it's very telling that they're they're actually they they've commissioned. So they're they're releasing a video game for the John Wick series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like same universe, not following like a movie tie in or anything. But it's like video game the John Wick uh series. It's so mm-hmm. so. Uh, take a wild guess what genre the game is. Um, just like real quick, just like what's your first thought, John Wick video game? What mm-hmm. is it? Uh. Like, I what? assume like a cool shooter. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. It's a strategy. Is it a mobile game. game? No, it's a strategy game. What? It's a strategy game made by the guys that did Thomas Was Alone, which is a narrative-driven puzzle game. They like, mm. they're just like, yeah, John Wick isn't an action series. Interesting. So we're not going to make an action game. It's I guess, a strategy game. I
0: guess. I guess it's, that's. And kinda... it's like
1: not only does like the combat you can sort of see where like the strategy side in the fight scenes come from, but also just like. The interaction he has with all the characters, where well, mm. like everyone was just like, When do I use the coin? Of when do yeah. I use the mark? Right, when well, do I do the thing? Because it's a neo-noir. What choice do I make? It's a neo-noir thriller, like yeah. it's
0: noir story, it's really good action, it's really good action. <laughs> and I, I, man, I had a great time in this. And every time I watch one of these, it just makes me think more about action films as a vehicle that, like, because this is you could just watch this and like turn your brain off if you want. Oh, god, absolutely. But even Maybe when watch, I like
1: the first one though, because that one, that's like the real turn your brain. But
0: even off. when I turn my brain off when I watch these, I come out of them being like, oh, but all of this stuff. Because like, like I was, I was watching it being like, yeah, it's like I just like zoned <laughs> out. And I was like, Ugh. I was a zombie the whole time, right? I was like, yeah, kill him. Like I have, I have a great time in these films. But I came out of it and my brain was like, there's so much going on here. Yeah. Like it just, that it's brilliant. I think it's tricking a bunch of people into really enjoying complex world (laughs) and i love that Um, we gotcha gotcha bitches gotcha good uh man i gotta love these films Um, and there's
1: another one coming out most likely
0: yeah (laughs) keanu reeves is getting too old for this yeah um do you have any recommendations for this week uh eurovision that's not no it is that is okay
1: eurovision yeah it's um the songs are good yeah the vis. the eurovision is good i have to get up very early tomorrow morning you don't have to no i do because your vision's on. You're the absolute you're a mess mate. Um Australia go through to the finals. Yeah. Yep.
0: Nice dude. Uh what have I even been doing? I've been uh new season of Easy is out which I've been watching. It's quite good. Um that's kind of it. I finished off yep. Ricky Gervais's um afterlife netflix show fuck that's so good honestly i think everyone needs to watch it. it's brilliant um it's very funny but it's also just got a lot going on like thematically and the the way that it explores like mental health um it's fucking fascinating so (laughs) check that pat you just get the crap out of me noises um otherwise where can people find us facebook at DCMworks social youtube youtube.com slash dcm works twitter at dcm underscore patreon Patreon patreon.com Slash DCM works. We're adding some new tiers soon uh, with the release of a new video we've got coming up. I don't know when it'll be out, maybe in like a month um, when I've kind of finished on it. Uh, So I, I for
1: one, know what these tiers are. Keep an eye
0: out for that. TBC (laughs) on that one. Um, The patrons are going to get an early access look at that video and the new tiers. Um, (laughs) But suffice it to say that uh, you get a bunch of behind the scenes content. You get access to like over 60 plus um, hours of additional content. There's some stuff that's very behind the scenes, there's some stuff that's like. (laughs) Uh, you know, a bit more interesting. Yikes. Uh, and you, you get some, um, <laughs> you also get access to some discounts for some of our stores, for my book. Um, and also, you get access to the post show, which is an extra 20 minutes of this program. Uh, we're not doing one this week because it's late as heck. It's fucking tired. Uh, but I recommend checking out last week's, where we sort of picked apart um, Tucker and Birdie because we're not really going to do an episode on it. No, because
1: I don't think we're um, qualified.
0: But if you enjoy... Having
1: our, an X and a Y chromosome. Yeah,
0: but if you enjoy our Bojack chat, an I highly recommend. I don't know, man. I don't Who, know we, I, don't we, that's I don't right. know if, I'm not a geneticist, dog. Um, yeah, go check that out. Our uh, subscriptions start at $3 a month. Get access to everything with $3. and um, We view it more of as a subscription to get additional content rather than a donation. So you can go check that out. Um, otherwise, if you want to follow us individually, I'm at DCMIHatePie.
1: I'm Alejandro Centros.
0: I'll see you guys
1: next week.